This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals' Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it again! The Cardinals' Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby! How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. So as great as Super Wild Card Weekend was, it would have been just a little bit better if there was another team involved like the Cardinals. They weren't, and because of that, we will wait and talk about Super Wild Card Weekend a little bit later on in the show. But there is nothing wrong with more football. Six games in two days. It was a beautiful thing. As we say good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Before we get into the action on the field, how about, gentlemen, we discuss the action off the field concerning the Cardinals, and that would concern the all-pro honors that were named late last week, MJ. And the Cardinals had two players, Budabaker, first-team safety, and DeAndre Hopkins, second-team wide receiver. Now, Hopkins had been a first-team wide receiver the previous three seasons. He just missed out this past year. And you can't argue with who finished ahead of him, but I know Hopkins was not very happy. He took to social media and expressing his displeasure, although he added that, hey, there is work to be done, and let's hope there is work to be done with Hopkins and the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, he obviously is a number one wide receiver. He was targeted uh, second most in football, I like to see that touchdown ratio go up um, based on opportunities. But really, when you look at Buda Baker, and he just turned 25 years old, and you know you can start looking at you know what he means to this defense. And we always talk about how he practices, and it translates to what he does on game day. And you know Patrick Peterson's going to be a free agent. Chandler Jones goes into the final year of his contract. So just looking ahead, I think he could become the face of the defense. He clearly is going to be more vocal. He addressed the media after the season and said, you know, I'm going to be more vocal in the future. And I think when you play the way he does, he has that ability. And we know when this team was on a three-game losing streak between Buda Baker and Kyler Murray, some things were said, and they obviously won a few games after that. So I think he's, uh, you know, he's still peaking. And you look at the NFC West, I mean, you got the two best safeties in Jamal Adams. They give up a couple first-round picks for him. And the Cardinals moved up in the second round. So I think his future is bright. But I, I like what he's saying, and I, I anticipate he'll take a bigger role moving forward. The 36th overall pick in the 2017 NFL Draft. That year, Baker was named a first-team All-Pro on special teams. And now, B-Train, he's making his mark in the defense. And where have you seen Baker grow specifically this year from Week 1 to Week 17? The thing that I've seen as far as his improvement is his ability to just meet at the point of attack. He's always been a fearless player, a guy that is willing to put his nose in it. But I think how he comes about the business of making those tackles and making sure if I tackle him and, and making sure that he gets the defender on the ground. It's one thing to throw your body in there and, and have a reckless abandon in that respect, but to actually be a sure tackler and a guy that – uh, has made real improvements in, in the past defense as well. A, a guy that 
had a couple picks and, and he hadn't had any previous to this year other than the Pro Bowl and the fact that his anticipation in the passing game has really improved. I think that's why he has made that ascension to first-team All-Pro and, and we're only going to see him as a football player get better and better as his recognition of, of, of pass routes and, and, and reading quarterbacks better and, and understanding what they're trying to do to attack the defense as, the, as, that, as that gets better, you're just going to see his play continue to improve and get better and better as time goes on. You talk about the intensity level that he provides on the field. Well, to a certain extent, it's also off the field as well. Immediately, that is something head coach Cliff Kingsbury recognized when he first was introduced to Buda Baker. In fact, here's the head coach just on that. As far as Buddha goes, you know, he's definitely uh, an introvert, but he has a certain level of intensity. I think that was the biggest thing that jumped out to me is everything he does, even when he's talking to you, you feel his intensity and um, there's not a lot of BS to him or his approach to, to football or life, it appears. And so you feel that right away when, when you meet him. Well-mannered, off-the-field B-train, yet when you hear him speak to the media, it's someone that is very laid back and very unassuming, doesn't say a whole heck of a lot, and then the light switch is turned on and he becomes someone different when he crosses those white lines. That's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of a guy that understands when you are on the field, it requires a certain mentality, but when you're off the field, that requires a certain mentality as well. And you can't have that, that, that same fire and, and that, that, that outwardly aggressive behavior off the field. He, he knows when to turn it on and when to turn it off. And most successful players and most successful people are like that. They understand that given the environment, you have to carry yourself a certain way. And Buddha has definitely mastered that early in his career. And I think that's only going to serve him well as it, as it continues to develop. Why he was named an All-Pro, he tied for the team lead in tackles with 118 with Jordan Hicks, had the second most tackles among defensive backs, added two sacks, two interceptions, nine tackles for loss, and six passes defense. Did miss one game because of a broken thumb, though he did play a couple of games with a cast on the hand, and that is why a lot of teams are aware of where number 32 is on the field, something Vance Joseph brought up earlier this season. He's a football player. I think Buddha as a safety is still growing. I think uh, you know Buddha being such an impact player for our defense. Offenses now are are really keen on Buddha when he's close to the box. You know when he's blitzing. You could say the same thing, MJ, about a Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson, maybe still to some extent with Pat P. But certainly where 32 is, is he playing deep safety? Is he in the box? Is he up near the line of scrimmage? Is he going to blitz? Is he going to drop back? You don't know what the plan is when you're the quarterback looking at the opposing defense. Yeah, and if you're an opposing uh, you know, offensive coordinator looking at how you're going to attack that Cardinal defense, I mean, he sticks out. I mean, you just look at the numbers over the last couple of years, over 110 tackles and now he's doing a lot more and so yeah nothing against Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones you you assume that guy's going to cover one side of the field Chandler Jones is going to rush the passer Buda Baker you can line up anywhere and his physicality and the way he's able to attack the ball so like I said when you're game planning for the Cardinals defense I mean he's in that same conversation as Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones and again he's only going to get better only 25 years old but you know him taking on a bigger role um, from a vocal standpoint, I think, you know, the thing is with Isaiah Simmons out there, you got a couple different guys. Now, Isaiah's going to have to have a really good offseason, hopefully, you know, a couple preseason games. But you got two guys that can move around. And what do they talk about? 
flexibility and versatility and pointless positions. That's two guys on defense that are young and they got huge upsides. The next step for Baker is, as you mentioned earlier in this segment, is that leadership role. Yeah, he leads by example, but now, as he mentioned at the end of the season, he needs to take on maybe more of a vocal leadership, getting into guys' faces, encouraging teammates, uh, making sure everyone is on the same page, and I think that is where you'll see him grow going into this 2021 season, his fifth season and the league that's the fact that Kingsbury is hoping on he's been a great leader for us um, since I've gotten here you know his style of play he, he you know puts his body on the line each and every week with how he plays and and you know leads it is not easy be trained being a leader in a locker room especially if you're a second round talent and sometimes leadership is just assumed and other times you have to grow into that and i think we're seeing that with with, with Buda Baker he has grown into a leadership role on that defense well i disagree to a, a, an extent craig i think if you go out and you do things the right way it's very easy to be a leader and, and regardless of what round you're drafted in if you're a guy that's continuously making plays every time your number's called, that's leadership by what you do. And some guys are better at leading at what, at what they do than what they say. And there is a place for each of those type of leaders, but the ones that lead by doing, they're the ones that, that have the more staying power, if you will. And the guys that, that lead based on what they say, uh, that, that, that's arbitrary. Sometimes it's effective and sometimes guys will – uh, ignore you and it'll go in one year and one ear and out the other. So uh, I think any time that you are a guy that performs well and, and, and leaves it all out there on the field, uh, that respect type of leadership is always going to, to carry weight. And, and you can be at any point in the season and you will be considered a leader based off of how you perform and how you help this team win. Well, it was after the Giants game in which players talked about Buda Baker speaking up during that week of practice B-Train where sometimes you don't always hear him and sometimes that is maybe the most effective form of leadership is when Buda Baker speaks, you'd better listen because he doesn't speak up a lot. And for some guys, when you do speak a lo- up a lot, it just kind of goes over your head. That's exactly right. And, and I think Buda has gone about it the right way and the fact that he let his play speak first starting from his rookie year, from the very moment he touched the field until now, he has earned the respect of that locker room. He has earned the right to be able to speak whenever he chooses because they know with Buddha, it's not just about lip service. It's about going out there and performing and, and not being one of the biggest guys on the field. They respect the fact that he's willing to put his entire body out there on the line in order to get the job done. And, and nobody can argue with his heart. Nobody can argue with his efforts. Nobody can argue with his, his commitment to this football team and so he's like the E.F. Hutton of 2021 when he talks people listen yeah and you got to think you know uh, over the last couple of years you see Patrick Peterson wear the C Corey Peters wear the C um, Chandler Jones wear the C Jordan Hicks I got to think it's a matter of time when it comes to Buda Baker he did get that C when Chandler Jones yep. was injured and done for exactly. the season you bring up Patrick Peterson we know Buda Baker is going to be here for the long term the question is who is he going to be hanging out with in that secondary in case you missed it on azcardinals.com our colleague Darren Urban did a write up on every single Cardinal free agent to be whether unrestricted restricted or exclusive rights free agent and Baker yeah he's been signed long term but among those secondary players those defensive backs Patrick Peterson Drake Kirkpatrick what about Robert Alford we haven't seen him on the field for the past two seasons he still has another year on his contract but there could be a lot of moving parts in that secondary 
Yeah, and that's that's an area where you you got to be able to cover. Teams are going three and four wide. We know teams are throwing the ball a lot more, and obviously it's predicated on stopping the run. But, yes, a lot of uncertainty, and you hope that Jalen Thompson can stay healthy and Deontay Thompson made some strides, a little more physical in, in the run game. Um, but, you know, the Cardinals have struggled to find that number two receiver, and it hasn't been for lack of effort. I mean, you bring in Alford and he gets hurt back-to-back years. I mean, uh, I think Drake or Patrick kind of bailed him out a little bit, but you like to upgrade there. And, you know, they're very consistent with Murphy playing inside. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's a big position that where you like to have a little more depth. Um, you know, Chris Banjo's a free agent. He came in and played a little bit more. Um, but I think that's something you're going to have to look for in the offseason, regardless if Patrick Peterson comes back or not. And, B-Train, considering how often teams are throwing the football now in the NFL, you need more than just two or three corners. You might need a handful just to get through the entire season. You need those type of players. You also need the other linebackers to evolve, the other position players to, to uh, be a smaller, quicker type of of a defender and 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 that's really indicative of the entire league it's becoming smaller it's becoming quicker uh faster and 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 more about uh movement as opposed to size and force and so uh, most definitely with the defensive back those guys have there's, there's a premium for them because there's just not enough with all of these different play designs that these offensive coordinators are, are cooking up on a regular basis you have to be able to match fire with fire how difficult is it be trained to sit and watch and see how hard it is now to be a defensive player in the National Football League? Oh, it's tough. It's tough to be a defensive player now because with all the rules that are against you and, and uh, all the different uh, things that are put in place for, for offensive players and quarterback, I mean, people want to see you score. And, and you're already fighting an uphill battle, so the guys that are able to excel, uh, you, you really tip your hat to them because you know they're going above and beyond going to be an interesting offseason for the Cardinals. We'll be saying that a lot throughout the course of the next several weeks and months. Bird Gang update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The app features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. More coming up next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Shotgun snap hurts. Short set. Steps up. Being chased far side by Gardeck. Sacks him at the 41 yard line. Dennis Gardeck has become the sack machine. Shotgun snap hurts with a short set. In trouble. Steps up. Gets hit and sacked. Dennis Gardeck was there first. Somebody hit the stroll, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Gardecki! <laughs> Gardecki! Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley, and Kyla Murray, who was wired up for that Eagles game earlier this season, a game in which Dennis Gardeck had two more sacks. He finishes with seven, but here's the kicker. Not only were those the second most on the team betraying, but he did it in just 93 defensive snaps, someone who had never played on that side of the ball all in his career at least on the NFL level, and all of a sudden pressed into duty against the Jets because of the injury to Chandler Jones. And as you heard Ron Wolfley say, B-Train, a sack machine is Dennis Gardeck. And, and it goes to show the more you can do to help the team, the, the more opportunities you'll get. And, and the fact that he was 
so efficient with his reps and, and able to, to be so productive in, in the few reps that he received, it just lets you know that there will be a place for Dennis Gardak on this team, whether it's continuing his role as a captain on special teams and, and being a difference maker in, on that level or getting opportunities in sub-packages where he can use his pass rushing ability. Nobody knew until he was forced into that situation. Sometimes you, you look at, at injuries and, and guys that are out, and, and it's always a negative. But I think this is one of those few positives where you can see a guy like Dennis Shine when, when given the opportunity because had everybody been healthy, he may not have gotten those reps. So uh, they found a diamond in the rough in, in that respect. And, and I know going forward, he will find his way on the field and third down and, and pass rush situation. We might just have to wait, though, a little while before we see Dennis Gardak again in action. He announced on his Instagram page late last night that today he is undergoing knee surgery to repair a torn ACL that he suffered late in the year. It landed him on injured reserve. Really unfortunate, MJ. He was not able to finish the season on the football field. But Gardak wrote on his social media post, quote, I'll be back and better than ever in 2021. Believe it. Yeah, and he's a restricted free agent, so the Cardinals own his rights for the upcoming season. They can make a tender offer to him. Um, you know, it looks like he's going to miss, you would think. Now, I know he's going to work around the clock to come back from this injury. Of course, Brett Fisher is a guy that he works out with uh, who obviously has an affiliation with the organization. Um but I would assume he's going to miss off-season workouts, and then we'll see where he stands when the season starts. He could be a, a guy that's a PUP guy, but the fact is he's going to try to you know, beat the clock a little bit. We, I don't have to worry about him rehabbing because he, he knows this is an opportunity for him. And you know maybe after the first month of the season, he comes in and provides that pass rush uh, that they're looking for, but also a really good special teams player. But, again, they do own his rights for the upcoming season. He was a Pro Bowl alternate on special teams back in 2019, and this past season earned an all-pro vote as a special teams player. But we all know him for what he was able to do defensively. Here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury. He's just such a remarkable story. Um, watching him last year, you know, how hard he practiced when he was on scout team. You know, I saw a guy who would make plays every day on scout team. We had a hard time blocking him. And I, I think all of us were like, yeah, but it won't translate to Sundays. And sure enough, it, it has. And he plays the game the way it's meant to be played. And he's been uh, a huge part of this team. The big question here, B-Train, is was this past season just a one season, a one-hit wonder, if you will, or do you believe that the Cardinals might have found something in a player that had been relegated to special teams duty, now maybe a role player on defense? Well, we're going to find out. And I think for, for Dennis Gardak, the one thing that he does that it will always translate is that he works extremely hard. And he is always prepared and he's ready for his opportunities. And regardless of if he has another seven-sack season or uh, if he's able to duplicate what he did this year, he will always be in a position where if you call him his name, he will be ready. And I think that's an invaluable trait, and I know the Cardinals will take care of him in that respect. So for, for Dennis, I, I don't worry about him being a one-hit wonder per se because I think he's going to approach his job the same way he's approached it his entire time with the Arizona Cardinals. He's just going to work hard. He's going to be one of the first guys to show up, be one of the last to leave. And if coach needs me, then I'll be ready to go. And whether that translates into sacks or tackles or whatever it may be, uh, Dennis Gardak will be ready to play. And, and I think that's the best compliment you can ever give a player. 
You know, and, and, and I appreciate Cliff being honest. Like, you know, yes, Kyler Murray probably figured out who he was when he was running against the scout team, and you could just see um, the way this team reacted when he did get a chance to play and the fact that Murray was right there. Usually he's on the sidelines, but they're so happy for this guy, calling him Gardecki and everything else. So you could see that they're rooting for an underdog, but the fact is that, you know, Cliff was even curious, will this translate on game day? And I think he showed that more snaps, more opportunities, more pressure, mean more sacks he was hurt late in the season and then actually had to be carted off the field but it was interesting because he kind of waited and wanted to see a couple of more snaps before he was carted back into the locker room but was unable to get back onto the football field so again we wish nothing but the best for Dennis Gardeck not only for him but the Arizona Cardinals as well we know he has a home here with the Cardinals as you mentioned MJ he is a restricted free agent and yes he certainly made a name for himself and opened up a lot of people's eyes here's defensive coordinator Vance Joseph he's been a big part of uh our NASCAR package and our jet package I mean he makes it go he he's a quarterback I mean he actually makes the calls you know most of his sacks he's he's been blocked he's been stoned and he just won't stop he plays very few snaps but he has very very high production and you love that because he works hard at it and gets rewarded on Sundays. Now the question is, as we move forward at outside linebacker Chandler Jones, who got hurt and opened up the door for Dennis Gardeck. He's expected to be back 100% next season. He's got one more year, and then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Hassan Reddick, Marcus Golden. You do have Devon Kennard, although I think he was a disappointment in his first season as far as an outside linebacker with respects to rushing the quarterback. Outside linebacker, it's another key position this offseason that the Cardinals need to figure out some things. Yeah, and, you know, give Hassan Reddick a lot of credit. I mean, he was in top five when it came to sacks and forced fumbles. Um, he had an outstanding year, and, you know, again, um, the salary cap's going to go down. Is there a team out there that's going to offer him a multi-year deal because – Pass rushers aren't growing on trees and doesn't even matter in the draft. You know, now can he do it back-to-back years? I mean, I think he's got the speed for it. I think he's got the tenacity. I think he learned to play the position. Um, and then you got Marcus Golden, and Golden's been able to stay healthy for the last couple of years. Um, you know, so you can't re-sign everyone, but it's all it takes is one team. One team come up, come out and offer him one year, $8 million and say, show us and do it again. Or... As you look at it, where he's comfortable here, he's made it known that he likes playing for the Cardinals. He loves lives in Arizona. I think he's got a, a trusting uh, the coaching staff. So that's you know the grass isn't always greener, but they got some tough decisions. You can't resign everyone. And we know B Train, your affinity for Hassan, and you're working with him this past off season, helping him become the player that we saw about what week five, week six, that first start that he had against Dallas had two sacks, and then kind of. Just never stopped. Twelve and a half sacks tied for the third most in the league. Then you talk about the force fumbles and the tackles for loss. He was everywhere that the Cardinals wanted him to be. It just took a little while for him to get to that point. Better late than never. And I think for Hassan, it was just a matter of getting the opportunities and, and being put in a position to show what he could really do and, and, and show his athletic gifts. And uh, the first four years were, 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 were a struggle for him and, and he was frustrated, but yet he, he still maintained his, his, his uh, professionalism and, and being a good teammate. And, and when his number was called to, to do more, he did just that. And, and you've you got to be happy for a guy like that who finally gets his opportunity to show what he can do in an optimal situation. And, and 
he took full advantage and, and whatever the future holds, I know that it's going to be very bright. And, and this was just the unleashing. This was just the beginning for Hassan Reddick. And I know that, that much brighter days are ahead for a young man. As a pass rusher like yourself, B-Train, you do it one year. What is now the challenge going into a second year because you want to be able to show, hey, I can do it again. I can get that double-digit sack total once again. The, the, the challenge is to just do it again and, and know that you're not going to sneak up on anybody. They will be game planning for you now. They will be turning protection towards you now. They will be chipping you now. Uh, they will have tight ends on your side now. So it becomes a little more daunting. It becomes a little more challenging. But I think for Hassan, with, with what he possesses and how he plays the game with that relentless effort, he's going to impact the game in many, many ways, not just sacks. As you said, Craig, uh, he was tops in the leagues and as far as tackle for losses as well. So it's not, it's not just being a one-trick pony. Yes, sacks are good and, and sacks get you paid, but I look at his overall game and how he was able to affect the game. I, I think all areas he took a big step forward, and, and that's exactly what he needed to do to make sure that his career stayed on course. You would love to see him return. You'd love to see Marcus Golden return, MJ. And we know Golden very vocal about not only being back with the Cardinals but wanting to stay here. But to your point, with the salary cap lowering and there's just not a lot of money to be given away to everyone. You have to kind of pick and choose, and you just wonder, you know, everyone is entitled to everything that they can possibly get, and I will never uh, go against any player for that because you only have so many years to do this that we call the National Football League, so you need to make the most of it. Yet at the same time, you know, if you're general manager Steve Kime in that front office, how do you figure out who to bring back? And you know what? You, we just might need to part ways with X player. Well, once again, I mean there are teams that have a lot of money. They're over the cap. Uh, or under the cap where they can afford a pass rusher. But, you know, I think, you know, for a guy like him, um, he's familiar with the system. But listen, it, to me, when it comes to free agency, it, there's two options, really. It's fit and asking price. And one thing, and, and B-Train can correct me, um, there's 16 teams play a 4-3. I don't know how he would play in a 4-3. Obviously, he's a football player. There are 16 teams that play a 3-4. So maybe the options aren't out there. But again, um, this cap's going down, so you're going to see some guys have to take one-year deals unless somebody's willing to give a multi-year deal, and I would not begrudge him one bit if he gets a multi-year deal. B-Train, is Reddick, is his talents, could he be 3-4 or 4-3? I think when you are a, 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 a pass rusher and, and you've worked on your skills like Hassan has, I think he can translate in any system that they ask him to, to, to be in. He can put on a few pounds and, and put his hand on the ground permanently, or he can remain upright and drop back in coverage and do the things that he's done this year to show that he can be a complete all-around defender. And so uh, whoever gets their hands on his line, they will get a heck of a football player. I know that. Just don't move him inside. That experience. No. We, we no, know about it. that, and we just don't want to see that again. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go. Go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Second half of the Cardinals Red Sea Report coming up here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. High snap 
It's over his head, bouncing to the 10, rolling to the 5, recovers the 1, it rolls into the end zone, and Cleveland is recovered. Cleveland has scored a touchdown! Oh, what a way to begin! Quick throw up the middle, it's caught, grabbed by Landry, 30 makes it, miss at the 20, goes to the 10, runs to the far sideline, the 5 breaks on the tackle at the 2, runs into the end zone, touchdown! Hands off to Hunt, runs over the left guard, broke a tackle at the 10, broke another tackle at the 5, puts his head down, carries a defender on his back, touchdown Cleveland! This is unbelievable! Here's the handoff that goes on a sweep to the near side to Hunt, hits the sideline, the 10, broke a tackle, 5, into the end zone with a cut and a touchdown! And the Cleveland Browns have gone up 27 to nothing with under two to play in the first quarter. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Loved this stat with respects to the Browns-Steelers game on Sunday night. At the end of the first quarter, the Browns had four touchdowns. The Steelers had four first downs. As the Browns stunned the Steelers 48-37 to as part of Wild Card Weekend. As we welcome you to the second half, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. The voice of Kevin Harlan on Westwood One. No one does it better than him as far as the national broadcast is concerned. But uh, B-Train, we spent the first half hour of this show talking about the defense. So we need to give some credit to the offense. And there was no team over the past weekend that scored more points then the Cleveland Browns, 48, the most points allowed by a Steelers team in the postseason. I think it was a combination of they were very determined. They had some bulletin board material from Juju Smith-Schuster. And then it was really just that we're just not going to take this from you anymore. I, I look at the, 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 the recent years and the recent history of this, this rivalry between Cleveland and Pittsburgh and, and Pittsburgh is on Cleveland, and it just got to a point where they were just like, look, we're tired of getting beat up by you. We're tired of being the, 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 the little brother in this, in this situation, and, and we're going to rise up. We don't have our head coach. We don't have starters. It, it doesn't matter. We're a more physical team than you are, and we're just going to beat you down. And, and the, the way that they went about the business of running the football down the throat of the Pittsburgh Steelers, it was, it was impressive because you had never really seen a Pittsburgh Steelers defense get pushed around like that nor had you really seen the Pittsburgh Steelers team unable, unable to run the ball the way that they did. 68 times Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball. That, that's not a winning formula. So you tip your hat to the Cleveland Browns. They, they just had enough, and, and they went out there, and, and they let it all out on that field from the very first play, and, and they never looked back. Yeah, I'll say this, though. You know, it kind of reminded me of the, the Super Bowl between the Seahawks and the Broncos. And you're thinking, it's the first possession, no problem. And the ball went over Peyton Manning's head, and they never recovered. And I just kept waiting for Pittsburgh to recover. And, and, and again, four turnovers from Roethlisberger. I mean, you, you got to like what they've done in Cleveland. You can give John Dorsey credit going out and acquiring Kareem Hunt. Uh, I know he obviously situations in Kansas City. Nick Chubb, uh, Mayfield, give Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt a lot of credit because they didn't have their head coach there. He was pushing the ball down the field, and they're doing this all without Odell Beckham Jr. And you know, so I, I think they got good chemistry there. Not saying he wouldn't have helped them, but Landry and Hooper, um, they're they're well coached, and um, you know, Miles Garrett's you're starting to see the upside there. I mean, they've had high picks in the draft, and you're starting to see the um, the fruits of the labor there. But uh, I was just shocked that Pittsburgh wasn't able to come back. I mean, yes, they scored 27 points 
in the in the second half, but they only scored 37 overall. But I'm thinking, all right, this is similar to what happened in the Super Bowl. They never recovered. Well, five turnovers will do that, including four interceptions thrown by Ben Roethlisberger as the Browns now advance, and they will play at Kansas City on Sunday. That is the early game on Sunday afternoon in the divisional round. The other part of the AFC playoff matchup is Baltimore at Buffalo. And all right, B-Train, we can get back to talking about the defense and what the Ravens were able to do, topping the Titans 20-13, to but it was holding Derrick Henry to 40 rushing yards on just 18 carries. Again, you have to look at it and just say, okay, how are we going to go out? Are we going to be a team that's going to let this man – physically dominate us and, and, and attack the line of scrimmage and, and make our defenders, our linebackers, and our secondary players make business decisions and, and, and let him run rough shot throughout our defense? Or are we going to bore our necks up and we're going to play on their side of the line of scrimmage and, and we're going to not let this big locomotive get started? And I think you saw the latter. And you, you have to tip your cap to, to Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator for Baltimore. He just said, hey, look, regardless of what Ryan Tannehill and, 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 and Brown and Davis and those other receivers do, we're going to make sure that 22 is not the reason that we lose this game. And I thought that they had a masterful game plan. They executed it very well. And, and you got to throw Lamar Jackson in there as well because the narrative would have been very different had he lost that game. But I, think, I thought it was a total team effort to get that pick at the end of the game was, was key by Marcus Peters. And, and it was just a team that, again, they had just had enough of all the talk about them getting pumped by Tennessee, especially last year and, and uh, the beginning or the overtime game this year. And, and they just said, we've had enough. We're going to go out and we're going to make sure that we don't lose the same way we have in, in times past. And the interesting thing was the Titans are up 10 nothing yeah. after the first quarter. And you're thinking, this is playing right into our hand. We're going to run the football. But Jackson ran for 136 yards, a 48-yard uh, scamper for a touchdown. As a team, they ran for 236. He was very efficient, 17 of 14, 179. He was sacked five times. Um, but really, besides Hollywood Brown, they rely on their tight ends. That Mark Andrews connection, that that is going to be an issue coming up in Buffalo. And nothing against the Bills playing against Phillip Rivers. They're going against a much more mobile quarterback in Lamar Jackson. So that should be a good game. Curious to see what the score will be between the Bills and the Ravens coming up uh, this weekend. Yeah, that is the game on Saturday night. Ravens at the Bills. Buffalo advancing. They edge the Colts 27-24. Buffalo's first postseason win in 25 years. And B-Train, what can you say more about Josh Allen? I think he was kind of the going into this season, one of those quarterbacks that you didn't really focus on. It was always still about Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and then all of a sudden this season, a huge jump from Josh Allen, especially as a passing quarterback, his completion percentage just jumped through the roof, but he finished with three total touchdowns and 324 passing yards through the air, and now he is the uh, envy of everyone in Buffalo. You just love his maturation process and the fact that he's making better decisions with the ball. The first couple years in his career, he wasn't very accurate, as you talked about, Craig, and he was throwing the ball all over the place. And it's amazing what happens when you get a true number one receiver that you can throw the ball to on a regular basis and he's willing to catch the ball. Uh, your, your accuracy goes up tremendously, and, and Stephon Diggs has done that for, for Josh Allen and, and the fact that he's got that, that game-breaker at the receiver position. And, and now the rest of the offense really complements those two. And, and you look at how they've 
uh, really built that team around Josh Allen towards his strengths, and that defense has helped out as well. Uh, they've got a good thing going, and, and as long as they're playing in their own confines, I really believe that this team has a chance to really make some noise. I don't think they're going to make the Super Bowl, but I think they have a great chance of winning their, their, their next game at home, and then who knows what happens when you get into a AFC championship game. You know, I, I like their game plan going in. I mean, they, they clearly wanted to run the football, keep Josh Allen on the sidelines. They ran the ball 30 times for 163 yards. Now, as for the Bills, I mean, they, they were up 14 to 10 at the half. And then, you know, when you look in the second half, uh, the Colts did score 14 points in the fourth quarter. But I think a lot of people are going to question Frank Wright when it comes to analytics, very similar to Mike Vrabel. And we know analytics is a big part of the game, but, you know, we're seeing more teams go forward on fourth down. Um, in fairness, uh, I thought Michael Pittman Jr. W- uh, was open in the end zone, um, but maybe you take the points there. It's always easy to second guess, but uh, that really came down to some analytics, and I'm sure he's going to have to think about that the entire offseason. You look at these divisional matchups now in the AFC, Baltimore at Buffalo, Cleveland at Kansas City. Ravens, Bills, and Browns, B-Train. You're talking about quarterbacks from that 2018 draft class. Baker Mayfield drafted number one, Josh Allen number seven, and Lamar Jackson number 32. It's taken a little while, but this is a great sign if you're those respective teams. You draft a quarterback in the first round. You hope to be in the playoffs and advance, and those three teams have done so here in 2020. And I look at those three quarterbacks and, and look at the expectations that have have come because of what they've done since they've been drafted. You talk about Lamar Jackson, the last pick of the first round, but yet he's had all of the pressure because he's been the one that's been in the playoffs the last three years in a row, and and, and people were already starting to formulate a, an opinion about him, but uh, he's done a great job of, of really making a progression, if you will, as far as a young quarterback is concerned, as getting better and, and eliminating a lot of that noise and getting that big-time win. Uh, this past weekend, and, and Josh Allen and, and, and as well as Baker Mayfield, all three have shown that they can be those franchise-type quarterbacks. And I know all of those fan bases should be excited because uh, there's going to be a lot of good football being played for the foreseeable future. The only thing that you hate is those three quarterbacks are all in the same conference, so you won't get to see them playing against each other for, for, the, for the big prize. At some point, they're going to knock each other off during the course of, of the conference playoffs. Well, that's going to be refreshing because for the longest time, it was Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and then throwing Joe Flacco there. I mean, you look at the AFC quarterbacks under 26 or 27, it is loaded, loaded. Now, if you look at the 14 starting quarterbacks going into the playoffs, 11 were first-round selections. Now, Drew Brees was a second-round pick early 33 but the league has expansion year the following year so you consider him but besides tom brady and russell wilson a lot of these guys were all first matter of fact they all were first round picks so the afc divisional round is set we will talk about what happened in the nfc and who advances to this weekend's games saturday and Sunday. That is what ahead is ahead. Craig Rayolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Barry. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
Goff just watching that play clock melt down. Takes the snap, fakes the handoff. Goff looking to pass, throws left side. Woods wide open, makes the catch of the five. Strolls to the end zone. Touchdown, L.A. The Rams have taken a 16-point lead with 4.46 to go. Seattle needs to get close to the 50 for a first down. Here's the snap. Blitz coming against Wilson. He's hit in the backfield. He is sacked, and that is the ball game. Morgan Fox gets the sack on Russell Wilson, and the L.A. Rams are on their way to the divisional round of the playoffs. Not going to lie. I was hoping the Rams would beat the Seahawks, and they did. 30-20 to 20 the final. Ryan Radke on Westwood won that Rams defense, sacked Russell Wilson five times as Seattle suffers its first postseason home loss since 2004. The Rams, as the sixth seed, now we'll play at the Green Bay Packers on Saturday afternoon as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report looking at the NFC playoff games that were played and are about to be played. But this certainly featuring two teams within the NFC West B-Train. And, yes, we're talking about the defense once again. Defense wins championships. Offense wins games during the regular season. But it certainly helps if you have an Aaron Donald even at less than 100%. He had two sacks in just 30 snaps, B-Train. You got to say it with your chest that defense wins championships, brother. Because you know you got to you got to say that with conviction. I didn't I didn't quite hear that. Uh, you know, said uh, you know with enough gusto. You know what I mean? It Fair always enough. wins championships. But the thing that I saw with with the Los Angeles Rams is that they had a, they had an opportunity to really get after Russell Wilson, and we've seen in the last couple weeks. Uh, Russ has not been able to cook. He hadn't even really been able to to make the desserts, if you will. Because, you know, at first it was all about letting him cook, let him do the whole meal, and let him be the one that leads his team. But Pete Carroll tried to revert back to that old style of just playing good defense and, and trying to run the football, take the air out of the ball. And it hadn't really been successful. But you give the Rams a lot of success, a lot of credit for their success and, and, and for, you know, their head coach. You know, he's, he's done a great job, Sean McVay, of, of coming up with game plans on a game-by-game basis, not necessarily doing the same thing that you did in times past. And it's when you have that familiarity with a, a division opponent, you definitely have to come with a few different wrinkles. And, and I thought uh, bringing, uh, you know, the, the quarterbacks in and, and, and having, you know, them do what they did, it, it, they did a great job of, of, of mixing it up for Seattle. They were a little confused at times, and, and, and they – they were able to just play a physical brand of football, something that I don't think Seattle was quite ready for. You know, I, I text Craig after the game, like, how the Seahawks win the division? Now, in fairness to them, they've been the, the team to beat under Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. But, you know, R- Russell Wilson was 11 of 27, 174 yards. He was sacked five times. Um, and the Rams, at the beginning of the season, we talked about running back by committee. And they lose Henderson, and all of a sudden, a second-round pick, Cam Akers, comes in, and he had 131 yards. And that's when you're, you know, and then obviously Wolford got hurt and Goff came in, and, you know, you got to give Brandon Steele a lot of credit. And, uh, you know, you look at that Rams defense, I mean, first of all, if they can improve on special teams, uh, we know they can run the ball. They utilize play action with Coop and Woods, and they're throwing to the tight ends a little bit more, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. That if they can travel, which they're going to have to, they could be the team that you know everyone's thinking maybe they're going to have an early exit. Now they got to go to Green Bay, and we know that Sean McVay and Matt Lafleur are best friends. They talk every week. I don't think they're going to talk this week. Uh, weather could play a factor, obviously. So interesting to see if they can slow down Aaron Rodgers. But 
Um, they're going to have to score some points here because we know the Packers obviously have a very potent offense with their running game, wide receivers, and the quarterback. Quick note on the Seahawks, eliminated from the postseason, but they announced today that general manager John Schneider has signed a contract extension through the 2027 draft. So he's not going anywhere, and we know Pete Carroll isn't going anywhere. We just don't know if the Seahawks are going anywhere, especially with Russell Wilson at quarterback. The other half of the NFC bracket, the late game on Sunday night, Buccaneers at the Saints. We get Brady Breeze part 3b train two guys that uh, are still doing it in their 40s yeah that's the uh, that's the geriatric matchup and uh for for those two uh it's just going to be a matter of of whether brady and 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 company have figured out what the saints are doing because the saints have had their way with the bucks the first two times but it's very difficult to beat a team three times in the same season and uh, when you start talking about one of the best quarterbacks of all time and tom brady uh, he is going to be up day and night trying to figure out how to get this thing turned around because the last thing that he wants on his resume at, at a new place is to be owned by one particular quarterback and one particular team. And so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. And I'm sure B.A. will have some, some wrinkles for Sean Payton and company. Buccaneers defeated Washington 31-23. The Saints eliminated the Bears 21-9. So four games this weekend. We will touch on those games one week from today when we rejoin you here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, Senior Broadcast Manager, Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Cody Fincher. For Bertram Berry, Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time. The Cardinals Red Sea Report every Tuesday, 11 to noon, year-round, right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.